Welcome everyone to um, this session. It's morning here in West Dorset in the UK. So good morning to all those who are also in a morning time zone. And uh, if you're in a different time zone, then you're equally welcome, you know, whether it's afternoon or evening or um, yeah, middle of the night, whenever it is. I just want to check. I can see you smiling at me, but uh, I'll double check that you can hear me. Um, yes, great. Wonderful. Yeah, so really, uh, yeah, me and the seagulls. Yeah, they're quite, uh, you can hear me and the seagulls. They're quite uh, chatty this morning. I think they're also enjoying the sunshine. So um, I really want to welcome all of us into, into this space of uh, community and of practice uh, together and uh, very happy to be here once more. Uh, those of you who might not know me, I'm Zohar, I'm one of the Guy House teachers and uh, at the moment I'm having quite a good run of these uh, online Dharma Hall sessions, quite a, quite frequent, um, which is a delight, means that I'm less busy, uh, so that's also nice to know. And um, yeah, feel free, as people have already been doing, to greet each other in the chat, to say where you are if you wish, um, no pressure to do that, but it's nice for people to know sometimes and to get a sense of where we are as a community, as a Sangha, together. And we can also, uh, as we kind of arrive and settle and read where people are, are at, where they, where they are on this planet, um, can also get a sense of our intention, what brings us here today, yeah. what is it that we wish to connect to, to cultivate, to develop in ourselves, in the world. And we can take a, a few moments to feel that. And if you wish, again, you can put that into the chat. You know, what's my intention for being here? What is it that I wish to nourish or to be supported by? And we'll just take a few moments for that. Sometimes, along with intentions, uh, some of us find it helpful to dedicate our practice. So you can also do that if you wish to dedicate this period of practice to someone, somewhere. And then that's also a possibility. And I'll read some of the intentions out as they come in. Connection with Sangha, connection, peace, resilience... Connection, it's a big one today. Peace. Yeah. Cultivate patience. Yeah. Slow recovery from a viral infection. Yeah. Healing, connection, hope, and dedicating this session to peace. Kindness, peace, patience. To drop out of my head and into embodied presence. Grounding and compassion, connection and courage, acceptance and peace, calm focus, peace, equanimity and connection, patience and kindness, <clears throat> connection with Sangha and kindness towards those around me, mm. calm and connection. To reconnect with the beauty of the teachings. Yeah. 
to be part of this beautiful community in tough times. And to nourish confidence in the practice. And such beautiful, uh, nourishing intentions, just to read them and to hear them. Uh, so beautiful, so heartening, and so strengthening. Whether, um, you know, there's more of a sense of something that this body, heart, mind needs right now there's more of a sense of something in the world those are movements of the same thing like the in and out breath generosity and equanimity connection and equanimity and a dedication to peace beautiful so let's take those intentions and those dedications into a practice together Um, We'll have about half an hour (coughs) to meditate and I'll offer some guidance and also some silence. (coughs) And I (coughs) apologise for my voice, which as some of you know, because I've been saying this for four weeks now, I'm also recovering from a viral infection. And it's taking a long time. Um, So, yeah, I apologize for the croakiness. So let's settle, settle into our posture for this time, feeling what is a helpful and appropriate posture for the body. And then adopting that posture and settling into it. Making any adjustments that are needed so the body is as stable and grounded as possible. supported as possible. As we do so, the awareness flowing into the body and we can invite it more fully into the body it's helpful using the sensations of contact between the body and that which supports the body the seat the mat the ground Inviting the awareness to gather, to collect with the attention in the sensations of contact between the body and that which supports the body. Gently inviting the awareness to expand, to 
soften through the body. Getting a sense of the whole body. Whole body here, whether standing or sitting or lying down. Getting a sense of the whole body space. And the awareness soft and open, softening and opening through the whole body. So taking in that whole space of awareness in the body and then it's helpful choosing a more particular anchor for attention. It may be the breath flowing, moving through the body or sound flowing through the space of awareness in the body. For some of us, it will be the body itself, the contact sensations or the whole body awareness. Whatever anchor we're choosing, making it the most available, appropriate anchor right now. Keeping the awareness grounded, soft and wide through the body. through that whole body awareness, receiving with kindness and interest, flow and movement of the breath or of sound through awareness. And that will be our practice. Let's settle into it, explore it in silence for some time.
gently noticing what's unfolding in experience right now without judgment, with kindness, with interest. Attending to the anchor of attention, the breath or the sound or the body, whatever we chose at the beginning. Deepening attentiveness with it and to it, receiving it. in attention, in awareness. Keeping the space of the body wide, open and soft. The space of awareness, wide, open and soft. Noticing what happens if as we receive sound or receive the breath or the sensations of the body, receive the anchor of attention. Tune in to degree of gratitude. Gratitude for this breath. Gratitude for the hearing, body, gratitude for the connection that's available via the sense contact, the hearing of sounds in the world. The breathing in of the air, of the world, the oxygen offered to us by plants. Gratitude for the presence, the being of the body. seeing if we can tune in to some degree to gratitude as we attend to the anchor of attention it may be you know gratitude for that attention moment by moment continue in this way
once more noticing what's unfolding in experience with curiosity and kindness with appreciation for the possibility to know experience and to attend to it. As we continue to receive the anchor of attention that we've chosen for this time in attention again and again, Receiving in kindness and with gratitude. Tuning in also to a sense of generosity as we offer our attention, as we give it to the breath or the sound or the body. or even to a distraction that is seemingly disturbing us. Giving generously of our attention to acknowledge what is here. And then with that same generosity, inclining attention again to the anchor moment by moment, again and again, seeing this as a gift that we are giving, gift of attention, the gift of presence. With that simple and elusive anchor of attention, Noticing any well-being that arises as we practice in this way. And letting ourselves be nourished. Grateful for the capacity to attend. Generous. With giving our attention to the anchor of our practice for this time.
for the last three minutes or so of the practice together. Tuning in to this practice as an act of generosity. To our own body, heart, mind and to the world. Each moment, each moment of attending to the anchor of attention, a moment and an act of generosity, of giving to the world, attuning to that over and over again as you, as we practice these last minutes together. In a moment, the bell will ring. And bringing in that same thread of generosity as we listen to the bell, as we give it our attention, and as we transition with kindness, generous to our own body, heart, and mind, not rushing tending with kindness. I will offer some Dharma reflections. I'm not really wanting to invite you to take your time in the transition. We're not in a rush. 
And following on from the reflections, there'll be space for questions and reflections from you, both on the practice and on the Dharma reflections that I will offer, I will share. Um, Before I do that, just a few words about dana and dana practice. So we were already practicing one form of dana, of giving in the practice just now, tuning in to that aspect of our experience, the generosity, the giving, in the giving of our attention. Um, There's also the opportunity, the possibility to offer dana uh, financially as a support for um, Gaia House and uh, for the teachings, Um, so for me. And in a moment, I'll put two links into the chat. One is um, for the Gaia House support page where you can offer support um, towards these sessions happening to Gaia House for their uh, work and their costs that are involved in that. And I'll put in another um, link, which is uh, where I will ask you uh, you know, any dana that you wish to offer to me, uh, I will ask you to offer there. Um, so that is to our, our Palestine support fund um, through Sangaseva, which at the moment all the donations are going towards food parcels. Again, it may sound <laughs> um, it may sound familiar, but we're doing another round of fundraising. Um, as we know, the situation in Palestine is is just getting worse. Um, and so there is a real need for this type of support. Um, if for anyone who wishes to offer in that way. And if that's not something that is aligned with what you wish to offer, then feel free to uh, give whatever you would want to give to me, to a charity of your uh, choice. That is absolutely delightful and worthwhile as well. So I'll put those two in the chat. very much wanted today actually to um, and I think we got a sense of that in the practice already but to emphasize dana to emphasize giving uh, or generosity as it's sometimes translated as a, a an aspect of the path an aspect of our uh, practice so kind of already touched on that in the in the practice and uh, I want to share some reflections uh, on that and in particular, maybe to the, in, in relation to what people put into the intentions at the beginning, you know, both the sense of connection and how dana relates to that, and um, what its place is at times of difficulty and times of challenge, which again many people um, put into the chat, or some people did, as, as what we're going through right now. Um, certainly very true for me, as many of you know, with very, very strong connections both in Palestine and in Israel. Um, and so, you know, what can we do? How do we respond? And um, how does uh, this particular aspect of, of dana come in to, to our response and to our possibilities of practice? And I want to start with a, a quote that... Um, I, I received uh, last week, I think, from a Palestinian activist uh, from Bethlehem. And uh, he, he started off his newsletter um, with this quote, which is from um, Howard Zinn. It's a little bit long, so bear with me. To be hopeful in bad times is not just foolishly romantic. It is based on the fact that human history is a history not only of cruelty but also of compassion, of sacrifice, of courage, of kindness. What we choose to emphasize in this complex history may determine our lives. If we see only the worst, it destroys our capacity to do something. If we remember those times and places, and there are so many, where people have behaved magnificently, This gives us the energy to act, and at least the possibility 
of sending this spinning top of a world in a different direction. And if we do act in however small a way, we don't have to wait for some grand utopian future. The future is an infinite succession of presents. And to live now as we think human beings should live, in defiance of all that is bad around us, is itself a marvellous victory. So it's a long quote. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I don't need to say anything more. Yeah, it's deeply beautiful. I'm going to read it again um, because there's so much in it and I'll, I'll perhaps pause and, and kind of go into some of it. To be hopeful in bad times is not just foolishly romantic. And for many of us, we have a, a complex relationship to hope. Yeah? It's also not a particularly Buddhist term, just to, to say that. So some Buddhists in particular, people who are interested in Buddhist teachings, have an issue with it. Because, exactly because of this, because it feels sometimes disconnected yeah. from, um, from kind of the reality the perceived reality of our, of our lives and our situation. Um, but here he's speaking about you know, being hopeful yeah, based on the fact that human history is a history not only of cru- cruelty but also of compassion. Yeah. And so looking at not just the past, but I would add also the present, yeah. not only the past but also the present in a way that includes... Yeah, that includes, yes, there's really horrible, terrible, cruel, harmful things happening in our world right now. But there are also um, beautiful acts of generosity, of compassion, of courage happening right now. And the way our world operates is often these don't come to our attention. It's also the way our heart and minds operate that we notice more um, what is not okay but it's also magnified you know, by our media and by what we're exposed to, what information is available for us. And so just knowing this is important because then we can attend to it and we can say, okay, but we pay attention. Yeah. We pay attention as an act of generosity, I'm going to say here. Yeah. And this is also what this quote is saying. We pay attention also to compassion, also to beauty, also to um, courage. And I think, you know, there was an example of this. Someone sent me this a a couple of weeks ago. Um, In The Guardian, you know, there was um, a first-hand account of somebody who's been contributing quite a lot to The Guardian from Gaza, sharing their experiences and describing... um, you know, this situation where a mother with some young children arrived in the building where they were sheltering and they had absolutely nothing. They came and asked, you know, if you've got anything to give, anything to give. And uh, he describes, the man writing, describes how every family in that building found something to give. Found something to give, whether it was, you know, a pair of shoes for the children or some food, you know, and, and... we think even in these really extreme conditions, that movement not only is possible, but it happens. And how important it is that we pay attention to that. How important it is that we pay attention. Because, he's saying it here, and I'm going to say it in a different way in a moment, what we choose to emphasize in this complex history will determine our lives. And not only our personal lives, it shapes the world we live in, which is... Um, kind of a point he gets to a bit later on. But what we choose or what we open our attention to shapes our experience and not just our personal experience, also our resources. And so when I say this, I'm really not saying to ignore the cruelty, to ignore the harm, to ignore that which needs our attention. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Can, can we hear that? I'm not saying to ignore. Yeah, What I'm saying is, yeah, we need to look at that. We need to see that. We need to be aware of it. But alongside that, we want to be in touch also with the beautiful strengths 
that we have as human beings so that we can embody them and so that we have the resources to also bring them into being ourselves. So in Dharma teachings, we will really say, you know, what we pay attention to is important. And we want to understand the biases that our minds have, like seeing the difficult and the negative, so that we can correct them, so that we can include alongside the injustice, alongside the kind of unpleasant sensations in the body if we're feeling ill. Also, the good the capacity, for example, if, if the body's feeling really unwell, that I can care for this body right now. Yeah. Or that it can rest, or it can be nourished. Yeah. So we can bring that sense. Or everything the body is able to do for me, even in its unwell state. I'm staying with that for a bit because I don't want to overwhelm you. <laughs> yeah. I think this is, but it's also so clear to us because we all know this experience. You know, the body's unwell, and the focus goes to the pain and the discomfort and the tiredness, you know, whatever's there. I said, I've been in recovery from a virus for four weeks now, I know this really well. (laughs) And yet opening to gratitude and to appreciation, and with all that, the body's still able to breathe, it's still able to digest. And I am able, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have the conditions that are really helpful for it to heal. I can nourish it, I can rest, all these things. So we can bring um, gratitude to what we can do and also to the good that is happening there. That's in the micro of our own um, experience, which is so important. Same with the mind states. Same with the mind states. It's a practice I've been doing a lot now. Heartbreaking with all the suffering. All the suffering around. Heartbreaking. And feeling the waves of that going to despair or going to uh, blame and anger. And coming back to this is painful. This is painful. And I can feel that. And I can honor and be grateful to the capacity to care. So kind of bringing that in... um, a little bit, you know, but also really important in how we view the world because we are not separate from it. So what we see externally, um, what we see internally, those are two movements of the same thing um, that matter. So when, as Howard Zinn is saying, when we remember, when we bring to mind, even, you know, actual things that we heard of, but even without knowing (laughs) specifics, we know when there is a challenge, when there is catastrophe. Guaranteed there will be movements of courage, there will be movements of compassion happening right there in that. And we can bring that to mind and we can let that strengthen um, us because yeah, it gives us energy to act. Yeah. And it gives us the energy to kind of be part of the movement in the world that is sending it towards sanity rather than insanity, that is sending it towards compassion rather than towards harmfulness. And then as we act in whatever way we can, whether it's caring for the body, whether it's caring for the planet. The other day we went and did an hour of litter picking on a beach. Just an hour. I was exhausted for the rest of the day. doesn't matter. Just doing that little bit, you know. And yeah, it matters. It matters that those, you know, whatever it was, five bags of plastic didn't go into the sea. It matters. So remembering that gives us the energy to act and then seeing, even if it's small, it matters. And we don't have to kind of put this heavy weight on us to only act. You know, if we can make everything perfect, if we can fix the world completely. Because anything, and here's the Dharma again, the world is shaped, the future is shaped, the present is shaped by an infinite amount of moments, of present moments, of present actions, present intentions that come forth, that are embodied through each of us. So by being here, by being present with that, already kind of contributing towards um, a movement 
of well-being in the world. I'm just going to put that quote in the chat, see if that works, because somebody asked for that, and I'll forget if I don't do it now. And if it doesn't fit in, then please remind me at the end, and I'll try and do it in segments. I think it's good. All right. Now I want to say, you know, but don't go reading it again. Listen to me. (laughs) Can't, Can't control you. And so I want to come back to Dana. Yeah, I want to come back to this you know, really key foundational aspect of the teaching. Yeah, it's so important, this giving, this generosity. As we were doing in the practice now, just what we give attention to, and also this quote, is that, that choice. You know, it's an act of Dana. If we give our attention to that which supports yeah. the goodness in ourselves and in the world, that which supports resilience, that which supports energy to act, Um, And it's worth reflecting when we're involved in acts of giving that are wholesome. um, What happens to us? How does it impact us? So, you know, some things that came up for me when I was reflecting on it, definitely a sense of connection, right? Maybe you could feel it even in the practice now, you know, just like breathing and a sense of giving our attention to the breath. It can, or to the sounds, yeah, it can really shift the degree of connection that we have. And certainly when it goes towards another living being, yeah, a sense of connection, sense of meaning. Yeah. So litter picking on the beach, if I use that example from Friday, you know, if I just, you know, treat it as an exercise of, you know, collecting colorful bits it may be one thing but if i see it as an act of generosity i'm doing this yeah as a meaningful action in the world and now i'm trying to make myself appear again yeah here we go act of generosity hopefully unless you preferred the bleached out picture um so we feel we have a sense of meaning when we are aligned with i'm doing this as an act of giving and something as simple as giving our attention uh, to our own body when it needs it, uh, to somebody else, uh, talking to someone, listening to someone, but being clear, I'm doing this in this way. I'm giving, I'm choosing to give my attention here. And that can bring a sense of meaning, a sense of agency, you know, that what I do matters, comes with the meaning, uh, an expansion of the sense of belonging. This is really interesting. Yeah. Enjoy. And I want to give a, a few examples of this um, from from our recent work um, in Palestine. And um, uh, when was it? Uh, about ten days ago, I think, or maybe it was less. My sense of time is atrocious at the moment. Um, a few uh, friends, um, Israeli friends, went to the village that we work in to pack the last of the food parcels um, from the the last lot of fundraising. (laughs) And that's come to an end, which is why we need to fundraise more funds. And, um, you know, so there were about five or six Israeli and international volunteers and the family that's organized it all, so there's about six of them. Um, You know, it's a job that two people could do in probably about 45 minutes of... Uh, focused work, uh, packing 65 food baskets. Uh, But, you know, they're choosing to do it all together because they all want to partake of that act of generosity and they all want to feel the joy of doing it together. And afterwards, um, a few of them kind of messaged me and said, ah, that was the best afternoon I've had in a really, really long time. Yeah. That was the best afternoon I had in a really, really long time. And so I'm giving this example because it's not even that, you know, we need to evaluate our giving in a sense of efficiency. (laughs) Was it efficient? No, two of them could have done it in half an hour. Why spend a whole afternoon with six of them? That's not efficient. Yes, it is. (laughs) Because it generates well-being. It brings joy. It brings connectivity. Uh, and a sense of agency of, ah, there is something I can do and here's what I can do and that kind of coming together really, really crucial 
really valuable. I'm going to give another um, example, which I may have given before here. So, um, And this is when we, we finished the first lot of food parcels. I think we're now in number four, maybe, coming up with this next fundraising. And um, we had enough money left to do another round. And so I asked my friend, who's was organizing it in, in this particular village, I said, have you got the energy to do another one? Because it's a lot of work. Yeah, ordering from the shops, collecting from the shops, making the food parcels and then delivering them. It's like a day <laughs> of going to 65 different houses you know, and giving the, the, the bag of food. I said to him, have you got the energy to do another round? And he was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm the one who knocks on people's doors and sees their expressions of joy mm-hmm. when I give them this bag of food of course I have the energy of course you know but he was really are you kidding are you even asking me this question like where did you come up with this question of course I do so that kind of joy the connection the meaning the agency of um of generosity really significant yeah, and to that question again, so I don't forget. Yes, Katie, it's okay to share the food parcel donation link on social media. Yeah, please do. Um, and it also builds resilience. The, the joy, the meaning, the sense of agency are really important to resilience, which is you know something we have to be interested in as kind of our world uh, is, is in difficult times. Yeah? It's like we need to be interested in resilience for ourselves and for others. And so when we bring this to our practice, and I've been giving, you know, a lot of examples from life, um, you know, dana is really emphasized as a quality that we cultivate, as a foundational aspect of the teachings and of our practice. And we can do it in multiple ways. We can do it um, just like we did it in the meditation now. And if you like that, you can even take it further. Yeah, so you can do giving and receiving with the breath. Some of you know this practice. As you breathe in, you feel gratitude for the generosity of the plant life. That's that's supporting your life. As you breathe out, you offer the support of the CO2 to the plant life around you. So you can really practice this um, through, through our practice that's just one way. You know, another is what we did at the end of the practice, of a real sense of this practice is about dana. it's about giving. Yeah, because as we work on our own heart and minds, yeah, as we decrease the amount of dukkha, as we um, increase the amount of, we decrease the amount of dukkha, and we increase the amount of well-being and resilience that's available to us, then we are shaping the world yeah, towards a more resourced place. We are kind of using the practice to make ourselves better in, better in service of the world, more capable in service of the world. So there's countless ways of um, practicing dana, but it is important that we practice it, that we bring it in intentionally. You know, again, dedication is another way we do it. We dedicate the fruits of our practice at the beginning or at the end. Towards something or someone. Mm-hmm. And that's again an act of dana, cultivation of dana, and that opening the sense of our belonging yeah, and our, our meaning and our agency. And it can be really interesting, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I know coming from the Jewish tradition, I know sometimes a lot the same in the Christian traditions. In all the religions, there's an emphasis on dana, right? And, and giving and generosity in all religions. Sometimes it can get the flavor of you have to, yeah? Or you should. Or being a good person is being a generous person. It becomes a measure. Yeah? And so we are interested to see when that occurs and to bring compassion to that and to remember that's not what we're aiming for here. We are interested in practicing in a way, yeah. 
practicing generosity, practicing dana in a way that connects us to the well-being that it brings. To the places where it brings a sense of well-being, of relief, of release, of joy. And these can be really simple ways. Sharing a smile. Um, letting someone, I mean, I've given this example many times. When I'm, when I'm in Israel, um, I stay with my mum. I'm in a really urban environment and the roads are really unpleasant environments <laughs> to be on. And sometimes just kind of saying, okay, I'm going to go on the roads and I'm actually going to let people, I'm going to give them, yeah. The, the, the possibility to cut in front of me. They do it anyway. <laughs> they cut in front of me. They don't wait for me to offer them that. But I am going to practice generosity as I do that. You know? and it brings well-being. It's suddenly from something that contracts, you know, from that self that feels very separate. It's like, no, take it. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Enjoy it. It becomes a really powerful and transformative practice um, for us. Yeah. So, kind of nourishing dana is kind of just bringing it into our lives, you know, bringing it into our lives, and so many little moments that can be so joyful. You know, sometimes when I walk here down the street, and there's a lot of dog walkers around, and their dogs bring me joy most of the time. Yeah, you know? I just see the dog and I smile, and often I'm kind of smiling at the dog, and then I look up and I see the owner smiling at me, smiling at the dog. <laughs> brings them joy but we can see ah oh yeah that's that's all an act of generosity these are all we can tune into that yeah, smiling at someone yeah, sharing the joy sharing what the beauty um, that we have uh, supports our our well-being deeply and when we reflect on this you know we can see you know, what, what is it like to to, to have a closed heart. If we go back to that traffic situation, people cutting in front. and The closed heart, maybe I'm right, but it's not a very pleasant way of being and it doesn't change the situation. And what about being an op- with an open heart and saying, take it? Yeah. Changes my, yeah, my experience in that moment. And so feeling that change between dukkha and well-being in these small places where really we can. And again, I'm coming back to what I said at the moment. It doesn't mean that we don't stand up yeah, in the face of injustice when, when we can, when it's appropriate. It doesn't mean that even in that situation we don't recognize that that greed and that self-centeredness that's being exhibited is not really skillful and helpful towards um, an experience of well-being for that person or for those around them. So we recognize that. And of course, yeah, and this is also part of what really supports this uh, sense of well-being, we include ourselves in the circle of generosity. This is really important. So again, often we think about giving dana generosity, and it's from here to there. That's, that's how it needs to go. But in the Dharma and in our teachings, we are part of the network of life. Yeah? We're part of the network of life, and so we include um, ourselves in the circle of giving in those that deserve generosity, depending on our circumstances. What is needed right now? I'm not well? Okay, I need to bring generosity to that. Yeah. Oh, this pattern is arising in my mind right now. I can't push against it. Yeah. So I attend to that with patience and compassion. And so, you know, really seeing the connections between dana, well-being, um, and wisdom. Well, that's kind of the last thread I want to touch on. I'm aware I'm talking for a long time. Um, deepen our understanding you know, that we shape the world we live in through our actions and through our mental habits, both internally shape and externally shape. And that well-being comes with an expansion of our circle of care. So we include ourselves in our circle of care, but we don't limit the circle of care just to ourselves, just to those that are close to us. And we remember that relationship or that questioning, actually, what brings well-being? Now, what brings that sense of 
being at ease with experience. And that that also, and that goes back to our initial quote, is not limited to this. It is in the present moment, but it's not limited to the present moment. What we do now, just like others who lived in the past can inspire us, what we do now is also impacting the future. And that is incredibly important to remember in difficult times. There's always something possible. We always have something to share, whether it's a breath, a smile, a gesture of care. Always generosity available. And this is uh, often, you know, a way of accessing well-being. That's available to us. Thank you for your listening. Yeah, pause with that for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.